Hey, I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm delivering fresh takes on living a healthy lifestyle full of fresh fruits and vegetables and the ins and outs of the business world that make that possible. In this episode, I'm covering the often overlooked, brushed under the rug issue of the need for farmers and produce professionals all along the supply chain to pay attention to their mental health. I know this isn't easy and we're all busy, but it is important, especially when you hear from Marshall Sewell, our guest for this episode, who lost his father to suicide after mounting farm tragedies in Florida. Today, Sewell is Strategic Accounts Manager for Open Fields of Bayer Vegetable Seeds. He created a platform, Mind Your Melon, to provide resources and support to people working on the farm and beyond to maintain their wellness, manage stress, and find help. Let's hear it directly from Marshall, how he has adjusted his life since this personal tragedy and how he wants to help others in our industry. Record. Hey, this is Amy Souter, editor of PMG Produce Market Guide and Retail Education Editor at the Packer. And we have with us Marshall Sewell, strategic and strategic accounts manager for open fields of bare vegetable seeds. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Amy. So yeah, today, I mean, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but regardless, I'm thrilled to be talking about how this applies and why it's so important in our industry. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about yourself and your career. What um, what are you about? Absolutely. And, and you're spot on. Uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I appreciate the relevance and the timeliness, but uh, mental health is something that we need to be focusing on 12 months out of the year. So uh, thank you very much for wanting to pay attention to the topic and, and shed some light on it. But as far as my background, I am a part of the Bayer Vegetable Seed Organization. Uh, so as we were discussing earlier before the, the podcast, um, this is part of the overarching Bayer Crop Science brand. And within vegetable seeds, uh, I cover the entire United States and I, I work in our open field production. So I work with growers, packers, and shippers within our open field segment, um, and then also with supermarket and retail chains and also industry and trade associations. So a lot of my work is just identifying challenges uh, for growers uh, and also people within uh, different levels of the supply chain within the produce industry, and also seeing what opportunities that we may have at Bear Crop Science and specifically Bear Vegetable Seed to bring innovation and solution to help meet some of these challenges. And uh, actually, I got my start in the fruit and veg industry growing up on my family's farm in Plant City, Florida. I grew up in, in strawberry and mixed vegetable production and did that all my life. And, and then after college, I kind of knew that if I wasn't going to be farming myself, I wanted to work in a capacity where I could help growers and try to bring solutions to them. And that led me to now an almost 10-year career with uh, the Seminus brand, which is Bare Vegetable Seeds Open Field brand. Oh, wow. Florida. I'm from Florida. So what college did you go to? Oh, what part? Um, I lived there for 35 years. So um, let's see, Fort Lauderdale suburbs, uh, Gainesville, Florida, Pensacola, Florida, Lakeland, Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, uh, all those parts. So I've been to all of them. I have been to all of them. Uh, and I did spend some time in Gainesville because I you know whether some of your listeners want to hear it or not. I am a Gator. I did go to the University of Florida. Me too. So. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. good to have a fellow Gator on here. So you studied what you're kind of related to what you're doing now? Uh, not really. I didn't actually go into agronomy or genetics or anything. Um, as I said, when when I started college, I actually had full intentions of coming back home and farming. That was sort of the plan. My my goal growing up was always to come back to the family operation. My brother and I had big aspirations. He was going to keep farming and I was going to open up a, you know, or start the sales and marketing side and do our own brokerage and our own packing and cooling and everything. And it just didn't really work out that way. Uh, you know, it was, it was a bit opportunistic, but I found a spot in our food and resource economics department. 
really enjoyed ag econ and ag business management. So I, I went through that program. I was able to compete uh, in some ag marketing competitions uh, collegiately. And then afterwards, it was, you know, a chance opportunity at the end of my college career to do an internship with, uh, it wasn't Bear at the time, but the vegetable seeds brand that is now sort of Bear. Did an internship with them and was offered a full-time role. And I thought, you know, this would this would be a cool opportunity to learn more of the produce industry. And as I alluded to earlier, just provide some solutions back to growers to try and help them. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, you mentioned retail. Because uh, I was kind of surprised to hear that this this can, your work can, you might work directly with people in, in the retail end of the supply chain. Um, Cause I only think of it in like the beginning of the supply chain. Uh, can you explain how? Well, that's, like, that's, how that... Absolutely. So when people think about the, the seed and the genetic side of the business, you know, everybody automatically thinks, well, this is directly impacting the grower. You know, we're looking at agronomic traits. We're going to help them be more productive, more efficient of uh, all of those things. But at the same time, we're also interacting with retailers and with trade associations because, you know, as an organization like Bear Vegetable and Bear Crop Science, we want to have an understanding of what's going on in the entire uh, produce segment. We want to know what consumers are demanding. We want to know what's impacting retailers. We have so much conversation now around ESG, you know, environmental sustainability, governance, uh, those things. We we want to understand, you know, maybe these products work really well agronomically at the farm level, but at the same time, we also have to balance that and marry it with the consumer traits and retail traits that, you know, you're wanting at the other end of the stream. You want the flavor, you want the quality, you want the taste preference, all those things. So um, we, we really look into many different facets of these varieties and these genetics as we're trying to figure out what's going to not only benefit the growers, but also, you know, make everybody else in the supply chain happy and ultimately in the hopes of driving produce consumption to get more nutritious fruits and veggies, you know, on plates across not only our country, but the world. So I know we have to, we have a certain focus or theme for this episode, yeah. but I just have one more question about this <laughs> because, um, Absolutely. do you talk directly to anyone in, in the retail end of things about like, do they say we want, a certain produce needs to be more this or that, um, or I don't know. It, uh, it varies by brand and, and by banner. So we've got some retailers and supermarket chains who are, you know, much more involved than others. Uh, and some of them actually seek us out directly. They're very proactive in terms of, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? What technologies do you have in place? What do you have right now? What do you have in five years? What do you have down the road in 10 years? Mm. Uh, because for some of your listeners who may not necessarily know, uh, a lot of times we're looking at from the initial concept uh, of a new variety or a new product, depending on the access we have to the traits and the genetics through a lot of our conventional technologies, uh, it, it may take upwards of five to seven years before we actually can bring a new product or a new variety into fruition. So we do have some of those retailers who come to us and say, we want to know what you've got coming down the road. And then there are others that we may pursue, um, just, you know, given their influence in the industry or their overall scale and scope. And then we also have some of them who say, hey, you know what? That's not really our thing. We, we get our information directly from the growers and we're going to, we're going to continue doing that. And we completely respect that as well. Okay. So the main idea of our chat um why why do you care so much about mental health and it being at the f something discussed in the fresh produce industry um like why is it something that's a passion of yours to talk about the real meat and potatoes of the conversation um so mental health and mental well-being is something extremely significant to me personally to my family and especially as it relates to the ag industry and, and farming. Uh, I mentioned that I grew up on my family's farm in Plant City, Florida. And and after graduating, I really wanted to find a way to either keep farming or help farmers. Well, a lot of that goes back to, uh, you know, some experiences in my life. When I was a senior in high school, uh, you know, it was, it was last year of school, trying to figure out what my big plans were after graduation and everything. And we were putting in our strawberry crops. So 
for our winter strawberry production in Florida, we were getting all of our plants in in the fall time and we would be harvesting in the winter. And before we even began harvesting, uh, we actually experienced a bit of a crop failure. So there was an industry-wide issue with some disease that came in from some nursery stock and not to get too, you know, technical or too deep into the weeds or anything, but ultimately, uh, we had some, some strawberry fields that were heavily impacted by this disease. And after experiencing those losses, there were so many different factors at the time. We did not have any specialty crop insurance. It was too late for any replanting. Um, we were sitting there trying to figure out what to do financially and long term. We, you know, the, there was just a lot going on at that time. And my dad, uh, you know, the the patriarch of the family, the one overseeing the operation, all those things, he uh, he ended up making the ultimate decision to take his own life. And so at that time, that was the solution that apparently he saw fit. And, uh, you know, whether you agree with it or not, everybody has their own opinions and everything, but it was a decision that happened. And it therefore impacted my family directly. And we were left scrambling mid-season trying to figure out how we pivot. So I was very quickly indoctrinated into the field of mental health and, and mental well-being. And uh, that's how I really started pursuing it. I never... I never thought that it would turn into this sort of platform and advocacy that it has, but I will say that, uh, and, and I haven't really shared this too openly before, but while I was still in school, not long after my dad passed away, I had a counselor and, and it was encouraged that I go to school and I visit this counselor. And uh, the counselor told me, well, you need to be very careful because from what we know of this issue, it oftentimes can be genetic or hereditary. And so you might be at risk of doing the same thing. I've heard that too. And that was a lot to try. Yes. And that was a lot to try and accept for me, you know, still being in school and having just gone through that. Mm. And I really started trying to challenge myself. Hey, this is a mindset thing. I, I'm going to figure out how to manage this. And so I sort of just spent years since uh, researching and reading and looking into all these different things in the field of mental health, mindset, personal resilience, and uh, trying to better understand them for myself. But it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually had the opportunity to, do, to really start advocating. Uh, people in the community, people in local agriculture knew about my family's story, but we didn't really talk about it too much. Hmm. And a Farm Bureau group reached out to me after Hurricane Michael went through the state of Georgia, devastated some operations, really negatively impacted a lot of growers. And Georgia Farm Bureau reached out and said, hey, we just need somebody who gets it. We need somebody who's lived it, who's been through it will you come up here and just speak? And I went and it was probably not the most polished or the, the best presentation by any means, but I just, I talked about what my family had gone through firsthand and, and I, you know, interacted one-on-one -on -one with some of those attendees. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a one and done type conversation or presentation. And since then it's just really, it's really reflected a bigger need in the entire supply chain and the entire industry to talk about it. So I've had more and more invites to, to address it. And I've been trying to, to do some more work and uh, Bayer has really jumped on board in support of identifying farm stress as a need and really wanting to support the cause, which brought us to this month in the mind your melon campaign. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry that you lost your father. I mean, a lot of us have all been touched by mental illness in some way. And I, I think it's really important for people to realize it's not just a, like a weakness or character flaw or um, something indulgent and that it's an actual biological medical condition. Like when you said it can be genetically transferred, just like any other chronic condition, some stuff is genetic. I, I would actually possibly, I would go so far as to, I would go so far as to encourage listeners to think about it from a slightly different perspective. Okay. Um, one of the things that I try to advocate for is that the statistic is, or the most recent statistic is one in every five Americans at some point in time will face a mental illness. Mm -hmm. But the common misconception is that mental illness is the same as mental health. And ah. mental health impacts 100% of us. So I look at it more so from, from a stress standpoint. What are we doing in routine stress management? All of us are impacted by some sort of stress in our lives. Right. So while not all of us may be impacted by a mental illness, right. um, 
each and every one of us can can participate and be doing things and making choices to proactively address our mental well-being. Now, you know, it's it's a very stigmatized topic, uh, it, which I'm sure we'll we'll probably get to. But to me, whether you call it mental health, mental well-being, mental hygiene, mental maintenance, whatever term you want to use, I just think that we to destigmatize the whole concept. I do think we have to detach it a little bit from the you know, illness the, part. the mental illness piece and okay. just look at it as, hey, holistically, mental well-being, it directly touches each and every one of us. So what can we be doing uh, to to work on that positively? Like staying mental, like, like the way, like physical fitness, you don't have to have an actual injury or be uh, diagnosably obese or anything to need to just maintain and take positive actions to, to move your body regularly. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I'm in complete, it just, I'm, just I'm maintaining. Agreement. I, I think that, yes, ma'am. Well, back to, um, just going back to the early part when this first came into your life, the idea of, 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 uh, needing to maintain your own mental health and, and um uh back then did you what kind of resources or support did you find um after this happened um in your family um and then when you were making this a priority in your own life to to deal with you know to manage your grief and then just any stress and everyday issues that most of us experience or all of us experience, but all of us experience stress. Right. So, um, like what, uh, what do you, you, what did you use or what do you use, um, to, to do this? (laughs) So, uh, I'll, I'll touch that from two different directions versus prior to losing my dad. And then, um, yeah, to follow up, I'll talk about more of afterwards and, and kind of things I've incorporated since. And I do, I do want to go ahead and preface this to any listeners that I, I'm, I'm no doctor, no professional. Um, right. So anything that I say is going to be based on my opinion or my perspective. And uh, I say all this to say that I don't think mental well-being is a one-size-fits-all. You know, I think it's a lot about their different resources and different things that could be helpful based on your lifestyle and, and based on the things you're, you're dealing with. So I would just encourage you, if you listen to this, maybe just take it as some inspiration to look into some things and, and pursue some options that might would be useful for you. But I think this will resonate with some of your listeners or readers uh, who are directly involved in agriculture, because for me growing up, it, it directly in farming, you, you had a 24 seven operation. You didn't really detach from it. Uh, There's always something going on it in the psychology field. Uh, it's a lot of times referred to as cumulative stress and cumulative mm. stress is where you know, you go through a stressful event and you don't take the time to actually like process it, decompress from it. And then you're already just rolling right into the next issue. And that's, that's very true in farming. Uh, I've, I've spoken to people from law enforcement, from military, uh, performance athletes, different people who, you know, it's, it's very common in those fields where you're not taking the right time to process all of what happened. And then you're just hit again with another stressor. So for anybody in farming, think, you know, you just had a piece of equipment break down, but it's harvest time and you really need to keep going and you've got contracts to fill or quotas to meet. And then all of a sudden you get a big rain or what have you. There's there's just always something going on. Inflation. Uh, so leading up to that's all of those right now. <laughs> Supply and chain. So leading up <laughs> with general logistics, all of it. Yeah. But leading up to what happened with my dad. I would say that I just wasn't open-minded to any of those things. To me, it it was very much a the old old school mentality of hey, suck it up, Buttercup. You know, we've got <laughs> things to do. We've got things that need to be accomplished. Bootstraps. There'll yeah. be that's right. There'll be time to rest later on down the road, and we've got stuff we've got to get done. So you don't process any of those things. Um, you try to take on everything all at once. Take it as it comes. You can easily get overwhelmed and. I've heard people refer to it even as the the quicksand mentality, uh, quicksand meaning that 
the more and more things that pile onto you, the more and more it pulls you down. And uh, it's like quicksand, uh, you know, it, I've never encountered quicksand, but, you know, if you get stuck in it, it just continues to draw you in more, the more and more you fight it. And that's what I've heard people kind of relate it to as far as when their stress begins compounding. And uh, so never had a real tangible plan or a tangible way of dealing with any sort of stress or difficult times leading up to it. But then after that, I, I will definitely say that in the brief period following the loss of my dad, probably didn't have the best uh, management practices. We were just, we were trying to keep our head above the water. Um, we were trying to keep the farm operation going after that loss with everything going on with the strawberry crop. And I'm so fortunate. I'll give a shout out to my mom and my brother. Uh, I've got an older brother in between him and my mom and myself. We were able to keep the farm operating. Mm-hmm. Um, we pivoted really quickly. We just kind of pulled the plug on the strawberry crop and tried to put in early vegetables. And so we made some decisions on the fly and knock on some wood. It worked out at the time. Uh, but if, if it hadn't been for family and if it hadn't been for local community, uh, it would have been very difficult to, to try and get through that time uh, in the manner that we did. But as far as things that I've implemented nowadays, I'll kind of segue into that. I will say that I think that a lot of it has to do with what stress is and how we process it. And I mentioned to you earlier, I'm bad about getting kind of on rabbit holes or, or into the weeds. So just stop me at any point. But I think that stress has a really negative connotation nowadays. We talk about stress and we think that it bothers us and we, you, we relate it to worry and anxiety and depression and all those things. But, but I think that it's more so about understanding stress managing your perception of stress and and then coming up with proactive ways to try and and work through it. Uh, Somebody framed it up to me one time and they said, if you want to de-stress your life, then ultimately you're probably going to have a life where you just disengage and you don't care about anything. You're stressed because you care. And so if you try to reframe your perception and and Mm -hmm. not to get too deep into the the science or anything like that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Go, go deep. (laughs) <laughs> well, this is fascinating well no, and, and, and again I'm, I'm i'm no i'm no professional or anything but just a basic general level understanding of how we're processing stress our brains are hardwired to take some sort of a response and ultimately process it into the following you know fight uh flight or freeze right so that's basic that's basic amygdala Whenever something happens, you know, A happens, B is the, the result. So our amygdala processes those initial things and wants to sort of segment our responses into one of those three categories. We're going to fight it, we're going to run from it, or we're just going to freeze up. This other part of our brain is the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is actually the one that does the logic. It, it does the rationalizing. And it has to process what you're experiencing and how you deal with it. And so a performance mindset coach would actually talk about trying to train your, your prefrontal cortex to take those stressors and instead of automatically wanting to fight them or run from them or freeze up or hide from it or whatever, actually saying, okay, this is a stressor. You know, what does it mean to me? And do I view it as something that I need to be afraid of or do I view it as something that is going to, you know, it's actually because I care about it and it's because it's going to bring me closer to my greater goal. And so uh, from the personal resilience and the performance mindset perspective, it's about retraining or, or reframing that perspective of what stress is and then trying to manage that stress. And for some of you who I haven't lost yet, who are still listening, you're probably like, well, in farming and in ag and in produce, we, we have so many stressors. You know, how do, you, how do we, a lot of times stressors that we can't necessarily deal with, they're out of our reach. They are, yeah. they are inflation. And something that I've personally done is uh, I, I try to incorporate some segmentation. So to me, when I think about those stressors and think about how they correspond to my personal goals or what I want to accomplish, um, <laughs> there was there was a Navy SEAL who made the comment one time. He said, how do you eat the elephant? Like, excuse me? How do you eat the elephant? And after a little bit of banter back and forth, it was, well, you have to eat an elephant one step at a time, you know, one bite at a time. If you look at an elephant, it's going to be completely overwhelming. It's going to scare you. It's going to worry you. 
But if you can break it down into chunks, it's much more realistic. It's the same way with our stressors. It's the same way with things that we need to achieve in order to alleviate those stresses. So how can we segment what's going on in our lives and make it into tangible, smaller goals? And uh, then that way we can actually have a sense of accomplishment as we're knocking through those things one at a time. In an industry where we have so many inherent stressors, I would say, too, that something that's helped me is really thinking about when you are overwhelmed or you are stressed, what are what are some things that I can control and what are the things that I cannot? Um, a lot of people would actually encourage you and, and say, if if you write out a list or you, you make a mental list of those things that are bothering you or stressing you, if there are things that are out of your control at the time, go ahead and scratch them off the list. Try and just detach from them because you can't really do anything about it at the time. Then take those objects or those things that you can impact, prioritize, make a list of highest to lowest importance or timeliness or, or what have you, prioritize them in some way and then just start knocking them out one by one. So you're actually, you're going to get, you know, beneficial neurotransmitters and those things like, uh, you know, in your dopamine, endorphin receptors, those types of things that are going to make you feel accomplishment whenever you actually sense that you're achieving knocking those off the list and then gradually you'll work towards you know the greater goal so a lot of information all thrown at once and, and i hope it wasn't too much but no no um yeah are there i mean does this does the industry have any kind of association form I, I don't know if this is true in other industries or not but i mean there aren't any mentally, uh, mental wellness or wellness focused, um, uh, associations to help professional produce professionals. Are there a lot of, a lot of the mental health and, and farm stress work going on right now, specific to the ag industry. It's, uh, it's still sort of in early stages because it's been such a heavily stigmatized topic. It wasn't until fairly recently that we've actually spent more and more time trying to address it. So personally, um, I've worked with the American Farm Bureau um, and state farm bureaus. I've worked with the University of Florida, with the University of Georgia. I've gone through some Michigan state programming, uh, just trying to look into um, what can be done at the farm level or at the industry level and, and look at things that are more specific to the farm industry. But regarding produce, uh, I'm, I'm not really aware of something specific to the fruit and veg industry right now as far as offering services and offering resources but it's a big topic of conversation right now and and usda is involved i mean we're really trying to spend some time diving deeper into the idea of farm stress and how we can support growers the usda is involved yes so the usda just recently i can't remember exactly when it was but the usda flagged farm stress and farm mental well-being as a, uh, a big topic. And there was actually grant money that was then distributed to, um, I believe it was a, I, I don't remember the exact number of land grant uh, university, but I believe UGA received a grant, uh, University of Florida received a grant. And uh, that's actually, I've been, I've been talking to some of the, the, my colleagues there, just people who are trying to figure out now what to do with that grant money to try and conduct research and seeing what, outreach protocols would look like in local communities and in local industry. Oh, wow. Good. Uh, yeah. I just, um, wondering about the, when you said cumulative effect of stress or, or a term related to that, um, it made me think of going on year three of the COVID-19 pandemic and how, um, Many of us were in the adrenaline quick response, you know, deal with this major thing, um, the first, you know, maybe six months or so, but now it's just going on and on and on. And while it might feel over to some people at different times, it's not for other people. Um, and, or maybe some people just haven't really affected much, but I think it's at least business wise too, it's affected a lot of people um economically and, and everything um and i read a study that uh something about when you said one in five people were affected by was it not mental illness or something anyway or, 
mental illness. And I read something that just said during the last two years, or is it two, maybe more than two years now, but uh, now it's like one in three. Um, and there might be an updated statistic just for the last two years though. But yeah, but yeah, the NAMI, the national Alliance on mental illness said one in five Mm U S adults live with mental illness. Um, and then caregivers, by the way, the people who are, you know, either work with them or they're part of the family, um, um, spend an average of 32 hours per week, uh, providing unpaid care to those who have an illness. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, oh yeah. And then according to Mindshare Partners Mental Health at Work, uh, 61% of workers said their productivity was affected by mental health. And this is important in our industry, especially, um, a majority of employees, 68% worry that reaching out about a mental health issue, not mental illness necessarily, just mental health issue could be just stress, right? Um, not just, it's a big one, but, but, um, they, they, they worry that reaching out about a mental health issue could negatively affect their job security. It's, it's very relevant. And, and so whether it be job security or just, again, going back to that stigma about not knowing how to approach it or not feeling like they can approach the topic. That's yeah. something that was brought up in, at a conf. I was invited to a conference last week and, uh, it was put on, um, through uh, University of Georgia and and Georgia Extension, American Farm Bureau and local Farm Bureau all participated. And they were releasing a bunch of uh, the most recent data from some of the farm studies and farm stress studies. And that's what they were saying. They said that, I I don't remember the exact figures, uh, but they were were talking about how much more um, likely farmers and farm workers were to experience major stress and potential suicide risk. But the caveat to that is they were one of the least likely demographics or industry groups to actually try to pursue any sort of help or support. And that, that was very interesting. That was a big topic for the conference. And a lot of, a lot of the conversation came back to the idea of, you know, why, why wouldn't they feel comfortable with it? What is the issue? And, and a lot of it comes back to farm competence. That was that was one thing that um, mm. uh, it was Ray Atkinson from American Farm Bureau. He was speaking about and he mentioned the idea of farm competence. And it's something that I've noticed as well. People in the ag industry, a lot of times when they're looking for resources, they're not going to go seek traditional, you know, traditional help through a therapy or a psychologist because they want to interact with somebody who actually understands their business or understands oh. what they're going through in the ag industry. So they want to actually feel that sort of connection rather than going and talking to some professional who doesn't understand. So a lot of the conversation was around farm competence specifically. And uh, to me, I, I really think that that goes back to even how my family, uh, you know, how we reacted after losing my dad. And we really relied on family and, and local growers, local industry members. I think it goes back to the idea of leaning on community and really working with community identifying people who you can be open with, who do understand the stressors and understand the the things that are going on in our industry, but then kind of cultivating that that sense of community and openness in which you can address these topics rather than, you know, for generations now that we've actually tried to cover them up and just tell everybody that we're fine when we're not really fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you find someone in your, in your industry? I mean, so if you're not just going to a purely like medical professional, uh, which I think is a great idea, but um, uh, you want, sorry, that makes sense. You want someone who understands your specific stressors and in industry. Um, you'd be more likely to trust someone and their perspective if they understand this. Um, would How would you, just someone you're close to in the industry? Um, Cause if people aren't talking about it, you don't know if they've, so sure they understand the industry, but do they understand mental health stuff? You know, um, will they be able to give you good, healthy perspective on, on that? Um, I mean, you kind of need both, right? You need, they need uh, to at least be like, you could get some bad advice. 
How- oh, absolutely. But there's 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 a lot to unpack there, but we'll we'll try to. Um, so that was that's something that I've been bringing up and I've been flagging is as uh, just an issue that we're facing right now in terms of if somebody wants to seek traditional help or professional help, there is a disconnect in the understanding of what goes on at the farm gate level. And so two different approaches. We either need to have more professional programming. So once you actually are going through academia, you're receiving training. We need to have more programming and curriculum around agriculture to increase that. What I mentioned is farm competence. Uh, but then the other, the other side of the coin that continues to come up is, okay, if this is going to continue being a need, how do we actually recruit more people from traditional agriculture? to then go into these fields. So training people to have farm competence or finding people and targeting people who already have that understanding to then go into the field. But that's assuming that there is some sort of, uh, you know, professional service or, or people are looking for that. Uh, as far as the other piece that you mentioned, how do you get more engagement at a local level? That's something that I've been a big advocate for in, in my speaking and presenting and, and different uh, different events that I've attended is just starting at the very base level. You know, and uh, I, I like that you use the, the title tip of the iceberg. I feel like that's sort of where we're at. We're just, we're scratching the surface of it at this point. There's so much more to it, but we're only seeing the tippy top right now. Yeah. And uh, I do think that right now we're still at the, we're still at the foundation of it where we are destigmatizing de- the topic and we're trying to get more and more people comfortable with the concept that, it's okay to not be okay. We're all dealing with stress. We're all touched by mental health in some capacity. Yeah. So are we going to have all the right answers? Are we going to have all the right talking points? No, not necessarily. But if we can at least begin openly addressing the fact that each of us are going through some stuff at our farm level, at our home level, at, you know, business level, what have you. Human level. Then we can start <laughs> having some candid. Yes. We can start having some con- some candid conversation. Um, you know, I, I I mentioned earlier and I said something about we tell everybody that we're fine and we're really not fine. People are pretty mad about that. You know, we, we've almost been programmed and trained in today's day and age to just smile, nod, say we're good and keep on walking by. And now I, I'm not naive. I know that in everyday occurrences, we're not going to just sit here and unload on every single person we see and tell them about, you know, all the issues that you're having. But I would highly encourage you find find a handful of people that you can open up with and talk to on a personal level, on a candid level. And, and you'll find pretty quickly that everybody's going through something. Yeah. Yeah. So right now we're more in the, let's just discuss this more and more and more part. And we're not at the level of, we're not there yet when it comes to having clear, specific, tangible resources or associations or anything official within the industry yet but we're we're, t- we're touching on it we're getting there is that kind of I, I think so i think so and, and i can provide some comments around just resources that are available right now um, yeah if, if you'd like me to or we yes can, um so specific to farm stress and you know I, let me back up general stress general mental health uh, you you mentioned NAMI. Um, I'll also say SAMSA. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but that's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. NAMI and SAMSA are two just kind of big overarching organizations that provide a lot of resources around general topics. But if you want to dive a little deeper into farm stress, uh, again, American Farm Bureau, you can Google and go to uh, Farm State of Mind. Mm. Uh, farm State of Mind actually was a joint collaboration between Bayer and American Farm Bureau. And back closer to 2018, I think it was, uh, Bayer actually realized farm stress is so much bigger than just Bayer. So they actually passed the torch over to American Farm Bureau on this Farm State of Mind campaign. And American Farm Bureau has been taking that and running with it, creating resources. If you go to that, uh, if you go to that site, there's a directory for state by state resources as well, specific to mental health and farm stress. Mm. And then also, if if you wanted to take a look at um, and I and I know that there are other colleges that have access to resources, but I'm going to call this one out specifically. Michigan State actually has, uh, if you look up Michigan State Farm Stress, 
they have a rural resiliency platform and you can take online trainings. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's free access and it's just basic farm stress uh, tactics. It's identifying stressors or maybe identifying people uh, in your personal life who might be expressing symptoms of stress or suicide risk and those things. It's, it's one of the, the sort of, I'll, I'll call it the base level trainings that you could be going through to just better understand farm stress and risk. Yeah. I'd like to just say that uh, seeking help for this stuff is a sign of strength, actually. <laughs> and it takes a lot of courage oh, to actually deal with it and to not try to ignore it or stuff it down or pretend it doesn't exist. Um, it takes a lot of courage. And, and I know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people don't like to even go to the doctor for anything. <laughs> they can have like a dangling misshapen leg <laughs> and be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll just push through. That's right. And there's no, uh, nobility in that. Like, you know, um, get it taken care of. Come on. <laughs> you know? And like mental health, you know, it's, it's not a joke. I, I just laughed, but it's not a joke. And, and I, um, I mean, I've written a couple stories about, uh, burnout, you know, uh, just with, with any, not just the, at the farm level, but through all the way to retail food service and any industry, of course, but a lot of workers are experiencing burnout and, and, um, and how managers can ensure that, that their employees are taking time for themselves and how they can lead by example, uh, by, by, um, making sure, you know, managers and supervisors have to take lead by ex like, it's really important that they do this because lead their employees are watching, you know, and no matter what they yeah. tell their employees, if they're not doing it themselves, then that's the message you're really getting, you know? Um, so I don't know. I know a lot of people can't take, they feel like they can't take vacations or, um, or do that like daily walk you know, or, or whatever they need to do for themselves to, to have a, a teeny bit of space for their, for their, for their mind and well-being. Um, be like everyone can take like a 15 minute walk, you know, um, just some, just allotting, prioritizing some balance, you know, it's, um, I don't know where I'd kind of gone off on a tangent about this. I really care about this too. So. No, no, I, no, you're, you're, you're yeah. spot on. I know um, you had you had mentioned prior to the the recording or prior to the podcast that you wanted to talk a little bit uh, just about you know modern work culture and, and burnout and those things, and that's a huge topic. And and I'll go back to what you were mentioning earlier about about COVID. You know, we farmers farmers historically have always kind of known the twenty four seven right. work schedule. There's always something going on, but if you think about it. COVID was really strange in so many ways and the impact that it had on our society. So I would venture to say that we, and, and you agree or disagree, you can let me know what you think, or, you know, you might get some comments from your listeners who, who have their own thoughts, but we're in a very high, I'll call it a hypermarket. Everybody wants instant gratification. When you, when you want access to a movie or a TV show, you don't need to go to the movie theater. You don't need to, you know, drive to Blockbuster and rent a DVD and, and whatever. Uh, yeah. You can go on Netflix and you can get it immediately. When I need something, I can go on Amazon and I can order it. And theoretically, I might have it that very same day, depending on where an Amazon hub is. I think because of that, everybody wants that immediate gratification. And I think that's also translated into our work habits in, 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 a, in a way. Not only do we want everything delivered to us immediately, but then there's also that need for us to then deliver on everything immediately as well. And so I think you're right. The, the, the burnout piece is a concern. You factor in COVID and a lot of people who historically worked um, more structured hours. They went into a workspace or an office. All of a sudden they went home, which is great on one hand. But then if you really didn't balance it well, all of a sudden you were never getting away from the work. You, your home life and your work life were essentially merging. And if you weren't, if you weren't structured and systematic about it, you could be on your phone or on your computer all day long. And 
that's one thing that I, I will say about, you know, working for Bear and, you know, Bear as ultimately a human health company. You know, I'm on the crop science side and in the vegetable specific side, but, you know, we're driven by, by human health and, and nutrition. And within my own team, I was just having a conversation with my manager the other day and she did say, she said, we, we need to be very mindful about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to make sure and if possible, you know, check out, disconnect from the professional stuff when we can and when it makes sense, according to our schedules, according to work and everything, but be taking the time to recharge. I always, I kind of liken it to the idea of at a farm level to avoid a tractor breaking down a, tra- a farmer knows that an expensive piece of equipment, they're going to do the preventative maintenance. So to avoid us having some sort of a breakdown as well, we need to be doing our own preventative maintenance. Like mm-hmm. you said, whether that's taking the 15 minutes to go for a walk, to de-stress, uh, to kind of just set a project aside. And, and I think even in farming, even in the produce industry, where a lot of times we work crazy hours, it's very stressful. It's high demanding. But I do think we can strategically work in those opportunities to set some boundaries, you know, build some personal time, spend family time. And I, to me, I think that there's a lot of those practices that we can be implementing. Um, I, I think a lot about physical fitness, exercise, proper nutrition. A lot of people don't necessarily associate those things with mental health, mental well-being. But there's mm-hmm. more and more study coming out about how they do positively correlate to brain health and, and emotional well-being and uh so now I, I think there are so many things that we can be doing proactively to do that maintenance yeah there's a saying i like uh called move a muscle change a thought <laughs> so you I like know, that. if you're stressed out about something um or you're just going over and over about some problem or challenge just just start moving somewhere and it, it can help uh change your perspective a little bit. Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on about this, but, um, we're already past the time I normally like to take, but I just love this topic. Oh. <laughs> so, um, well, I did not mean to go so far over time. No, it was me. I just want to dive into this forever. So, <laughs> um, I, I really care about a part of why I got into this industry is because of health and, um, I love writing about food and covering food and, but, uh, the fresh produce industry appeals because it's just inherently healthy. And I just, I want the the people who provide us this nutrition to stay healthy. Um, so, um, I mean, because we care about people, but also we want this industry to thrive and what the, the farmers from the farmers, we all know farmers have a lot of stress <laughs> and but i mean i know absolutely through work that visiting and touring wholesale uh you know terminal markets and wholesalers and brokers and and retail buyers there's so much stress and and um stuff going on in, in every every aspect of this industry uh and i want and i want i want us to take care of each other and to learn how to take care of ourselves so so wow. that we can all thrive. I, I I appreciate your passion and your interest on the subject, and and I really appreciate you wanting to uh, you know interact with me and, and include me on this episode. Um, I, as we're kind of providing some closing comments, I'll even say uh, during the month of May, uh, my colleagues at Bear and I we were reached out to by a large ag corporation, of, you know, producer of producer of food and also manufacturer of uh, grocery goods. And they actually started talking about sustainability and they said, you know what? There's all this conversation around sustainability, ESG, like we mentioned earlier. They said that could mean a lot of different things, but they said, what are we doing individually to be sustainable? And we talked about mental health. And so I would say for listeners, you know, think a little bit about your, your personal life, your professional life, or your day to day, practices what you would consider sustainable long term are they conducive to you taking care of yourself and to keeping you going and to keeping you thriving and uh so i would say spend a little bit of time thinking about that and and ultimately when it comes to the topic of mental well-being just know we're all going through it so don't be afraid to address it recognize it and talk to somebody about it 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And like the name of our podcast, you know that this is really just the surface of how deep this issue can go. But I am a firm believer that if we don't do things for our mental and emotional health, it will start damaging our physical health and our job performance. I know it can be hard to fit all this into your work-filled days, fit time for exercise, eating well, which takes time, and in-depth chats with supportive people, whether it's your friends, family, or someone professional. For me, it's a work in progress or a baby step situation. There's always room for growth, and it's not always smooth or an upward slope of progress. More like a roller coaster, am I right? The uh, flight attendants say, and put on our own oxygen masks on first so that we're better able to help others get theirs on. There's something to that. Mindyourmelon.org, which is Marshall's site, mindyourmelon.org, or on Instagram, look up the account called Mind you are melon for more information anyway if you like what you hear please hit the subscribe button and rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and if you work in the fresh produce industry find us on our websites producemarketguide.com and thepacker.com we're also active on several several social media platforms both sites like instagram and linkedin and Facebook and Twitter. You can find more ways to follow us in our show notes, plus some helpful links to learn more about our episode guests. And we'll have more of these great healthy lifestyle conversations coming soon. Thank you so much. I hope you learned something useful and inspirational. Talk to you next time.